0: I am setting my phone down on a metal chair. Hello, everyone. Here we are with the magnificent Mary Margaret. I
1: like that alliteration. Do you? Yeah.
0: It's like the magnificent, a marvelous Miss Maisel. Yes. A magnificent Mary Margaret. Love it. Which, you're a woman of many talents similar to the marvelous Miss Maisel and different. Can you share? all the letters next
1: to your names
0: who are you who
1: am i um yeah letters behind my name are msw master of social work lsw licensed social worker um ryt registered yoga teacher Amazing. furnished by uh i just did a hand gesture that no one can see um, <laughs> by shannon i did my training here um and then in like a year and a half Um, LCSW hopefully and uh, in two years I don't know if I get letters for this but I'll have a different certification around um, sex therapy what if I write you a letter then you will get letters for that It'll just be
0: an actual letter.
1: <laughs> I'll just receive mail. <laughs> what you're talking about is the postal service. Yes. 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 I do also receive mail at my okay. home address and okay. my business address. Well, I will send... So. If you don't get an extra letter for that, I will send, send you me mail. a literal letter. Do you like that? That's great. Okay, great.
0: So, um... One of my favorite people in the world, Dr. Brent. Well, I don't even know. Is Brené Brown a doctor? And I okay. thought you were going
1: to say me. So well, you. are disappointed. Well, no, this know. whole... I mean,
0: we're here, just <laughs> talk about it. you, so oh, okay. you are one of my favorite people. <coughs> Your,
1: her sweatshirt right
0: now has an alien face on it, so... Oh, okay. I, bought I, mean, it the, I bought it in the kids' section of
1: um, some department store, because it was cheaper oh than my the God. adult section than I'm little, so...
0: Mary Margaret is one of my favorite people, and so is Brené Brown, and what you have in common is social work. Yes. P- possibly... Aliens. Um, we don't know. So we don't know. We'll have to ask her when we meet her. So what I would love to, What well, we're going to talk about today is trauma, which is uh, not a light topic, but you know, we try to make light of hard things because um, that can actually make them more palatable. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about that today, but kind of what is it, what does it mean to be
1: a social worker yep. and how does that relate to trauma? Great. Um, so social work is one of the many kind of hacks to a mental health or helping kind of profession. Um, I picked social work over some like master's in counseling or psychology or something like that for a couple reasons. One, I didn't know if I wanted to do clinical work, meaning therapy. Um, and a master's of social work can help prepare you to do like policy work, um, case management work, in a nonprofit, those kind kinds. Like, it, it, it's much more generalist, which is really great. Also, it's hard because if you want to specialize in something, it's, um, you have to do a lot of continuing ed after school. Um, so that's kind of the, whatever, doubler sort of that. Um, but I picked social work because of that and because I felt like in addition to, not in addition to, in, in kind of contrast to some other mental health professions, it's much more, I find it to be much more holistic. So psychology, psychiatry is very much a medical model of like diagnosing a person, especially psychiatry, obviously, because you go to medical school, mm-hmm. right? And you have to diagnose to prescribe and all of the things. So, um, psychology, I think, is coming around a little bit more to seeing people more as a holistic individual as well. Um, but what I liked about social work was that it was really about, like, less about diagnosing and more about, like, what happened to you um, to kind of be producing the symptoms quote that we're seeing right now. Um, really talking about, like, what kind of community are you from and how does that impact what you're like now. Um, and really taking into account that, for example, if you just bring in like a person to diagnose them, you're not asking things like, did you grow up in poverty, and mm-hmm. um, what's your race and ethnicity, and how does that impact the way that you can literally move around in society? Um, and the medical model of treatment has centered around white men. Shocker. <laughs> really? I. It's hard to believe. Wow. For so long that a lot of <laughs> things that you know, may appear, um, you know, normal or not. If we're looking at like a white male, like property owner, head of household, like that whole, you know, Christian, all the things. Um, if you then look at like a black trans woman, those life experiences are very different. Mm-hmm. And so what I think it's missed often, if we're just looking at something as diagnosable, we're not taking into account, how does someone's life look different if they've had to um, navigate Oppression and just not really being able to fully like be themselves in the world safely And so I think social work does a better job not a perfect job uh, But a better job of taking all of that into account when we look at how to help a community help an individual
0: So I may be oversimplifying but definitely what I hear from you. My mom is a psychiatrist or was a psychiatrist um, She's not a practicing psychiatrist. I should say is that you know, you really are more in the nurture category like Mm, uh, Whitney Houston would have said how did we get here or, you know, she nobody's
1: supposed to be here.
0: Or, I mean, yeah. maybe you are, right. but anyway.
1: <laughs> how did we get here? Yeah. So, how do we
0: get here, right? Versus, like, my mom would tell me stories of her working with people who, you know, have multiple personalities and things mm-hmm. like that. And it's all about nature. Not like, a
1: trauma response, but we'll get to
0: that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, like, for her, it was like, here's this very sick person that, like, yeah. 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 getting to the root might take too long you know, like they might kill themselves or they might yeah, harm yeah, themselves yeah. or others. So we got to deal with the nature of this person and medicate them, which again, to your point, and she would agree, that's a very like, uh, it's a very old school medical model of just like handle it and move on, put a bandaid over it and deal, you know, and we'll deal with all that later, but we won't really versus, you know, your process might be a longer process, mm. but also holistic in that then we can we can treat ourselves. We and it can has to be examined
1: because I, I yeah I guess what I think sometimes social workers get um, and other therapists get sort of accused of is that like we don't believe in medicine or something yeah. and and that's not true at all um, I think. It has to be both, mm-hmm. and I, in our healthcare system, it's hard to access care at all. And so sometimes people don't get both or anything. Right. But um, a lot, oftentimes, it seems like it's one or the other, and you either believe in medication or you don't. And I don't think that's true. I think most therapists I know and you know see both and see like you're saying like if we got to keep this person alive, like just get on the breast taxi or like we need to hospitalize, we need to medicate, we get all the things. And if we get a person stable enough, then can we work on what brought them to that moment? Like, what brought them to the place where, like, you know, taking yourself out of the equation was even a possibility? And so do we get them stabilized enough so they can actually do the work? And that – I've had a couple clients in the past where we've said, like, you can't get to your appointments because your depression is so – pervasive that you can't get out of bed to get to your appointments Mm -hmm. so we're not going to do any work together if you can't get your ass to my office right right right. and so can we get you to a point through medication to like here we are just like stasis enough to say okay now you can actually get here right so I think it can be both um but I think oftentimes we we are seeing either or and I think they can work together really well
0: I love that I love that and obviously my world is you know, almost strictly yoga. I mean, I have loads of, um, (laughs) I have loads of habits and patterns and past of depression, anxiety. So I love a good conversation about therapy because I've been in it for years. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And, um, and like yoga, I think yoga has is goes in and out of this as all things where it's kind of an identity crisis of like, do we just treat the the gross matter, which would be, like, the asana or the physical postures? Yeah. And sometimes we never move past that, kind of like the medication. Totally. Versus, like, you know, going deeper and doing the meditation work and doing the deep sadhana and, and being disciplined yeah, yeah. and rigorous about constantly staying on it. But then sometimes I think... Um, like you're saying like it's a yes and that like you need all of those things sometimes right not everyone needs medication but that often when it's that big of a problem it's going to be a layered approach right and it's going to be a constant approach because uh for me yeah i have depressive and anxious swings in life and those are more uh those are bigger swings when i'm not doing the work all the time Yes. You know, like when yeah. I'm not staying on it, when I'm not doing my yoga practice, when I'm not eating for my health and instead of eating emotionally, right. you know. So um, so I think our conversation today is about trauma and is about mental health, but also like recognizing that there's such a an interweaving possibility for yoga and therapy um, together. Could you kind of talk about your role as... A therapist or a social worker, and being
1: a yoga teacher, and how you see those things come together. Yeah, I you know, I've been practicing yoga on and off um, since I was a kid. I did theater, and we often did then like warm ups and stuff. And so I was exposed to yoga really young, and I always really liked it. Um, and then would kind of like flirt with it in and out, I guess, like for years. And and when I moved back to Indianapolis after social work school. Had a back injury wher, wher, that I couldn't really do like the normal cardio, like higher intensity stuff I had been used to. Um, I found practice indie. <laughs> and um, that probably sounded really weird with that <laughs> visual. Just <laughs> imagine yeah, I mean, yeah, a really They're still thinking about her aliens. Ugly right. sound, yeah. Um, so I found practice indie and it, I went because I needed to exercise and I couldn't do a lot of the things I had been doing. And of course, um, it was more than exercise, which is why, like, what, three years later, I'm Still here hanging out. Don't get rid of me. Um, and I found I was in a job at that time that was not great, a great fit for me. And I was really trying to figure out like what is next. I don't know what it is. Like I don't. I'm not going to leave because I don't know what that thing is and all of that. And at the time, I remember thinking like, oh, I think I think I'm going to yoga instead of therapy right now. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't in a place where I needed or that I thought like I don't really know what I would go sit and talk about for 55 minutes every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but like something's happening on my mat three times a week, and that's right now feels feels fine. Like that mm-hmm. feels like enough for me. Um, so I guess that's something else to say is like you don't have to be in therapy like start and then you're going to be in the rest of your life. You can pop in and out. And mm-hmm. I think people are scared about like oh now I'm in therapy now I have to think about this like budgeting for this forever. No, like you can be in and out whatever. And so I was like in an out phase, and then yoga came in and it felt like it served the same purpose. And the more research I started doing. Um, The job I was in, I was doing a lot of trainings. And um, so I was developing some new trainings around childhood trauma and how that impacts um, romantic relationships later in life. Mm. And what I was reading was so interesting about how our body is so connected to our mental, emotional health and history. And that really made me like, oh, I guess I kind of am doing therapy when I'm at yoga. That's not just like a funny thing I'm saying. Um, that's real. That's what's happening here. Um, and what we know is that our body holds stress and tension. I think we can all kind of at least relate to that part, right? Like if we're stressed out, like we might have really tight shoulders or we don't sleep very well, so we wake up feeling bad. And um, that's all I think people can understand as a base level. Going forward from that, what we're learning too is that if people have specific traumas, um, for example, if someone, um, has experienced any kind of sexual trauma. They might have um, really tight hips, or or maybe not, but then if they are in a pigeon pose or something that gets at the hips, that might produce emotion for them, and they're not really sure where that's coming from. And so kind of knowing that if we experience trauma, our bodies remember that. Um, and what is really confusing, I think, for people about that and why that sounds kind of like Like new age woo woo, like maybe we're making that up because, for what I don't know, you know, people like don't like to think about those kinds of things and think it's fake. And I think because oftentimes our brains don't remember something the way that our body does. Mm -hmm. And so. um, Which is a um, defense mechanism. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So there are, um, there's a study and it's cited in the book The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk, um,
0: which will be a book in our book club in 2020. she should totally club. read it. It's
1: really great. Um, and he talks about this study that was done where, I'm trying to remember exactly the specifics of it, but basically that, like, a, a researcher had looked at records, emergency room records of sexual assault cases. So, like, not, like, alleged, but people who actually came in for treatment because mm-hmm. this happened. Um, and then followed up with the victims, like, years later, and many of the victims didn't remember it. And there's like a paper trail. Like they admitted themselves to an emergency and then they didn't remember it. So we know it happened. There's been a lot of um, uh, controversy in the field around like repressed memories and is that real? And that, I mean, some of them I think right are not maybe, but like that was a clear paper trail of like, no, you actually like saw a physician. They Mm -hmm. saw the trauma, physical trauma that happened to you. And then years later, people that were like, yeah, I guess I've been told that happened to me when I was a teenager, but I don't remember it. And so our bodies, um, hold that memory in a way that our brains, yeah, literally protect us from that memory. Like we have to go on. And so like our brains like, nope, not dealing with that, shutting that down. Right. But it'll come up in, in various ways. And so, um, you know, even from like a really simple, uh, you know, perspective, like my, um, when I think about like how does that manifest for me in, in like a, a way that's not like a hugely traumatic event like that like you know I remember people telling me when my mom died like the day of the funeral was really hot and we were like standing outside and we're Catholic so there's like you stand by the you stand by the grave forever and the priest like talks about things and then we're also Irish Catholic so there's a lot there's just so there's like 20 extra minutes a lot of happening mm-hmm. yeah for keening yes <laughs> lots of things happening um and I, I mean, so many people, so many of my friends that, you know, later and still will say like, it was so hot. Like you remember standing out there, we're all wearing black. And I'm like, no, I mean, I have no memory. I remember mm. being there, but I don't remember it being that hot, but everyone else, that's like the first thing they say is, oh my God, it was so hot that day. And I, mm. it could have been snowing. I, I don't even remember, you yeah. know? And so that's a simple thing. Right. Mm. Um, but you know, I've had clients over the years who Say, like, someone told me, like, my sister told me we were sexually abused by an uncle. I remember that. But someone told me about it. And now I'm having relationship problems with my partner. Do you think they're connected? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, probably, right? And so um, our body holds a lot of that memory where we may not know that happened to us, but our body recoils when somebody touches us in a certain mm-hmm. way. Right? So, um, or we just don't feel safe or right in our body because at some point someone took that away from us. Mm-hmm. Um, and our body remembers that in a way that sometimes our, our brains kind of put away so we can like get up and go to work, <laughs> you know, and like be a person. Yeah, which I, I've heard from uh, massage therapists that they'll, you know, they'll mm. touch somebody in a place maybe they're
0: storing tension, whether it's um, trauma with a capital T or trauma <laughs> with a, a, a little t that yeah. like they'll instantly release and start crying. Here, you know, I have people tell me all the time, like, I don't know what, but we were doing this pose and I just started crying. And it's like uh, Nikki Myers, who started City Yoga here in Indianapolis, um, always says the issues live in your tissues. Yeah, yeah. And so I think you've you know, articulated that beautifully in that um, we carry it around. And often our yoga practice can act as a, um, a through line to continue to work on those things. But it can also act as the first line of defense of like... I show up to my mat. Something feels off, and then like yeah. I physically move in a way that re- releases that or opens that up for a conversation. So, could you um, could you talk? Could you define trauma then, and um, and then like how that relates to the stress response? Because I think we talk yeah. a lot about like traumatic events and how they manifest in like big ways. Mm-hmm. But what tends to happen is like the stress response is never completed, correct? Yeah. So then like right. you're living in this loop. Does yeah. this make sense? Totally. Yeah. So could you kind of yeah, define trauma and then define how that relates to the stress response and how that all affects us or could affect us.
1: Yeah, this is so this is by no means my like my personal definition. This might come from the body keeps the score and but from other things I've kind of cobbled together and read. What I usually say to my clients about trauma is um, that a trauma is really anything that like disrupts your ability to cope with life, right? And I think what often happens is people go, well, that's a lot of us. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. right? And that's the point is I think we often think about trauma as being like, you know, whatever happens in a Lifetime movie. <laughs> like something mm-hmm. like traumatic, right? Capital T, like you said. Um, you, I don't know, like you witness a murder. Like, I mean, like something like really, like a movie. Um, but really, trauma is also like, um, you know, your parents weren't very nice to you growing up, and you didn't really feel like you fit in in your family. And then the rest of your life, you feel like, I don't really fit in anywhere because that was what you learned about yourself, right? That's traumatic. Um, so there's, there's a, I guess, a scale of, of like what people might assume as trauma, but there's, there's a lot more underneath that. Um, complex trauma um is something that that um therapists will say kind of talking about like long and sustained multiple traumas in a lifetime so someone who as a child was was abused in some way neglected in some way that goes on and on over years versus like a single traumatic event Mm -hmm. right so someone Mm -hmm. might experience ptsd from you know being in a horrific car accident a one-time thing um and then the complex trauma of like if someone grew up in a home where they didn't feel safe, they were abused, they saw their parent abused, whatever, um, that kind of goes on for a long time. So it it's it can take many forms, and I think that we as a culture, this very like, um, individualistic like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps thing, um, doesn't really allow for that definition of like, no, probably most of us have had some kind of traumatic experience. Um yeah, so I think it's more wide reaching than people want to assume and talk about. And could you say that like I don't want to sound
0: insensitive to things, but trauma is going to happen, right? Like we mm-hmm. can't avoid we can't avoid the fact that like traumatizing events or one big event are going to happen to people. And yeah. so um I guess from my lens, it's like if that's if that's your case, you are allowed one to feel you are allowed to feel around that Mm -hmm. and that you're not broken. And like a lot of, you'd mentioned before we started, like a lot of the behaviors that you start to assimilate are because of that. You're not broken. It's a reaction to that. Yeah. And that, um, that wounding is your portal for healing. So, I mean, like I don't want people to think like in me saying like that it's your fault or anything like that. It's not. But like if, if something traumatizing happens to you the only way out is through right Right. so like it may be your one vessel to actually heal right um so could you talk about like how that would turn into behaviors turn into stress response and then how do we deal with that like if you if you're at a point where you realize like okay i'm i use the word stasis earlier like i've moved out of Stasis. I'm not able to like regulate my life because mm-hmm. of these behaviors. I need to seek help. Like, what does that whole process look like, and then how do we, how do we seek help?
1: Yeah, I I guess so. I'll first start by adding on a little bit to that definition of trauma to also say like, I we're both women, women identified people, and 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 have a lot of privilege, a lot of it. Um, there are people who have far less than. You mm-hmm. and I, yeah. Um, but I know just being like a female navigating this world, like that's traumatic, mm-hmm. you know. And I've experienced just like living in Chicago and like walking on a street and sitting on a, a train like for ten years of my life, like just harassment and and one time assault actually, and just because because of my gender mm-hmm. and and that if we are living in a body that is somehow marginalized or oppressed, like that itself is traumatic. And so I think I also have. I have a lot of clients who, um, will kind of be like, I have nothing happened to me. Like, why am I, <laughs> what is this? And why am I so like, I'm feeling so angry or I, I, and it's, you know, well, like you're part of a community that experiences discrimination, like on a day-to-day basis. And it affects like your opportunities in the world. And so mm-hmm. I want to add that, I think, to my definition of trauma, is I think nothing happens to you, but just getting up and like doing a thing, <laughs> you have barriers put in your way. That's traumatic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Uh, your actual question, though. Um, yeah, so if something traumatic happens to you as a portal for healing, right? Um, so there's a, there's a theory in, like, kind of a, I guess biology, uh, anatomy, whatever. Um, so you know, like, you have a dog, a really cute dog. Yeah, he's really cute. Yeah, he's great. So do I. Um, and my dog, Jake, he's scared of everything. Huh. And when he gets scared, you know, he, he kind of freezes, and and looks to my partner and I like is it, it what are we okay right are you gonna fix this and protect me, and when it's over when the threat has passed he starts shaking, right and um, if you watch your animal now you'll like see that happen um, dogs will shake something out and then they're like fine so like when I was living in Chicago I was walking Drake one time and somebody like ran up at us like tried to mug me when I was walking him and the guy ran away because jake like lunged at him which i would never mm-hmm. seen jake do before i was like kind of impressed actually I was like really oh you <laughs> have that in you oh <laughs> okay and he lunged at him barked and growled the guy ran away ran around the corner and then jake like got back down because he was up on his hind legs he got back down like shook really vigorously and then looked at me like okay let's go treats like <laughs> are we good now um whereas i probably am still holding on to yes. that it was like 10 years ago right um but, so that's called completing the stress cycle, where our body freezes, all of our muscles tense, you know, some people pass out when they get really afraid, right? Um, and that the completion of that cycle is like a shake, it's something that helps, like, get it out, right? I'm shaking very weirdly you, that none of you can see, but I look really strange right now. Um sweatshirt, Yeah, alien. <laughs> yep. Um, so, um, that's why we think things like yoga or, like, any kind of really physical activity is really helpful around anxiety and depression because it helps complete some of that stress cycle. It helps like move our body through some of that pent up energy, um, and I guess I'll say if someone's listening who is kind of like energy, are you talking about like woo woo stuff? Which I'm not saying is like not real. I just mean I know some people listening are probably like energy is like this nebulous word, mm-hmm. and and I mean this in a very like Western science perspective. Like this has been studied, where we. We know that people who engage in physical activity are not just like healthier, like cardiovascularly or whatever, but like mentally, because we're, we're working through our body in a way that if you, um, if you have stuff stored in there, it's going to help work it out Or do that
0: dog shake. Yeah. We're creating alchemical reactions. Yeah. We're literally changing the compounds in our body and those chemicals are changing which then changes our brain chemistry,
1: yeah. which then, yeah, Because we, trauma changes us. Yeah. You know, that when we have that, um, so part of the reason that, we, that childhood trauma is so impactful is that it literally rewires our brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Um, there's We can fix it. <laughs> but it rewires our brain because our brains are really spongy when we're kids, right? And so when we feel unsafe all of the time, that cortisol response that gets released, right? Um, if it's being released all of the time, that's not good for our body. And so when there's a, Dr. Nadine Burke Harris has a great TED talk and a book called The Deepest Well about childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a master of public health and also a pediatrician. And she talks about, she was working in like a low income clinic in a community where there was a lot of violence. And she started seeing like the kids who experienced trauma didn't do so great health wise. And so turns out there's this whole study for many years that we've been following of of adult health outcomes being impacted by trauma as a child. And the reason for that is that, yeah, our body literally changes in response to our environment. When we are stressed, we have a cortisol release. When we are scared, you know, all of those things start to impact how we see the world, but literally on a chemical level. Mm -hmm. And so we can start to right that ship a little bit by then releasing good endorphins and and trying to balance it out. Mm.
0: Well, I think that... um that covers beautifully how like we can, you know, start to deal with our trauma capital or, uh, you know, baby tea with yoga. Um, and I think there's a lot of conversation around going to therapy. There's so many things mm-hmm. out there, but I personally cannot speak, um, enough about the importance of, of therapy and how it has helped me in my life. So can you talk a little bit about one, just how to find a therapist um, and the different specialties, cause I think that's really significant. Maybe sharing mm-hmm. your specialty. Um, yeah. How, how do you find a therapist? Why would you go to a
1: therapist and, and looking for someone specific to your needs? I think what's one of the questions I get the most is how do you find a therapist? Or if I tell, tell, blah, 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 tell someone like I am a therapist. So that's one of their questions is how do I, Oh, I don't really know how to find somebody. Um, and so they, um, You know, ask how to find one. And one of the places I always direct people is a website called psychologytoday.com. They also have a lot of um, articles on that website around um, mental health issues and stuff. Um, But they also have a huge directory on there for for therapists. So you can go on there and create a profile if you're a therapist and list your specialties. um, And you can then, as a client, then pick... Different checkboxes to filter, like by whatever insurance they take, what side of town they're on, um, their specialty of practice, and all of that kind of thing. So I direct people to that website a lot. Um, of course, I'm kind of you know networked with with folks, and so I if I know someone who's seeing that specialty, I'll, I'll refer to someone I know in the community. Um, but you know, ask your friends. If your friends talk about their therapists, ask them who they like. Um, do a search online. Um, there's more and more therapists who are like taking to Instagram and stuff to create accounts, which is, it is interesting to me. Um, but there are a couple directories, uh, Psychology Today and then GoodTherapy.com is another one um, where people can make profiles. Um, you can also, if you have health insurance, contact your health insurance company and ask for a list of providers who are in-network. Um, you'll just get a list of names, so that won't really tell you much about the person, but then you can kind of Google from there. Um, So, that's how to kind of find a a person. Um, As far as insurance goes, not every therapist takes insurance. And that could be a three-hour-long podcast about why in the insurance game. Mm -hmm. Um, But... um, if you're if you find a therapist that is a network with your insurance provider, your insurance provider, uh, by federal law, Obamacare, um, actually, um, they they have to uh, contribute some to your behavioral health needs. Mm. Um, now that will vary over your carriers and stuff, but um, so that's kind of in a nutshell how to find a therapist. Um, you can also just Google like therapist Indianapolis, whatever. Um, there are. A diff- lot of different kinds of therapists. What I what I have told people before is like you would never go to a cardiologist to get like a hip replacement. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't want my cardiologist mm-hmm. to monkey around in my hip, right? Um, they went to medical school. They kind of know how my hip works, right? right? But I don't want them replacing it. No. And it's the same with therapists, and even more so, because our training programs are much shorter than physicians, right? <laughs> um, so um, I think I often get people who get a little frustrated. Like, you know, if I say, hey, I'm, you know, thanks for reaching out. and really, I don't see people with whatever they're presenting with. And they get a little frustrated. And it's like, we're not a catch-all. We have mm-hmm. our specialties as well. And you don't want me treating whatever you're, you're coming with if I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, one, that sets me up for failure. But two, it sets you up for failure. And the last thing you need to feel if you're coming in with mental health concerns is that you're now, great, now I'm failing at therapy too. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, when I'm referring out, that's really what I'm trying to prevent. Is like if I don't want you feeling like you're failing at getting help. Mm-hmm. That's not a good feeling. Um, so my specialty, um, I kind of got my specialty before, before I became a therapist. I've been a sex educator for like over 15 years now. And um, so my specialty is um, sexuality and, and gender stuff. So I see a lot of clients who are um you know queer, questioning, um, who are transgender and are looking for um support around seeking gender affirming medical care, um, who are working around like what is my gender identity. I see um a, a huge amount of my my clients are are in that that camp. Um, I also see a lot of people with um sexual trauma that is impacting their adult sexual life. And they want it to be better. Um, I see a lot of couples around just like basic communication issues, and that spoiler alert often comes from the communication you learned as a child and the trauma that you experienced around like family origin stuff, and now you're mm-hmm. kind of replaying it with your created family. Um, and so I will say one thing kind of, if you're looking for someone with a specialty, there's a difference between someone who has, like, a a clinical interest in something and someone who's actually trained in something. Mm. So I'm, like, clinically interested in a lot of things, um, but I'm not (laughs) specifically trained in them, so I don't say I'm a... Like, I don't say I'm a trauma therapist. Like, I understand trauma deeply, and I think you have to to be any kind of mental health professional, but um, I don't have, like, a certificate in, like, Mm. a trauma modality. Um, So if you are working through, like, very, like, capital T trauma, you might look for someone who says, like, I'm certified in... Um, EMDR, brain spotting, these are trauma therapies, whatever. Um, I understand it, and I understand how it impacts you, but I don't have that extra training. Um, so my extra training is around um, sexuality and gender. Um, I don't call myself a sex therapist yet because I don't have the national certification, and it's a lot of time and education and money to get there, and I want to honor people who've gone through that process, and I'm going through that process. So um, right now I say, you know, my, this is a specialty of mine, but I'm not like a licensed, signed off on, sex therapist if that mm. makes sense yeah um and that's your right as a client to know what am I getting here am I getting someone who's been like dabbling in this who has like read a book one time and is interested in it or am I getting someone who has like put extra years of work into this and you can ask your therapist you can ask your therapist anything you can say like what's <laughs> what's your training like how much do you know about this have you treated other people with this before um what's the outcome been mm. I mean um, I'm self-employed, but I'm also, I have how many clients do I have? I have 22 clients. I have 22 bosses, actually. You know um, what I mean? I'm not self-employed. I'm employed by my clients, and it's their right to ask me, like, are you performance review? <laughs> you know, like, are you up to the task here? You know? Um, and that's something that I think most therapists are, you know, welcome. We're, we're trained in having difficult conversations. Um, and so ask your therapist, like, are you qualified to help me? Um, and you can always fire a therapist and find a new one. Yeah,
0: you know so I think what you said earlier too is that like you may come back to therapy you know as someone who is not a therapist but is a frequent flyer of therapy um <laughs> that I don't I'm not always in therapy right right but it is a practice and it is like yeah. you know um, my husband and I go to we call it couples coaching but we go to a a couples therapist couples counselor and you know she gives us exercises that if we don't practice them yep. The shit doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So it's just as much a practice. And uh, you know, one of the reasons we name the studio Practice Indie is because it's always 5% theory, 95% practice. Yeah. It's what you do with it. And it's not that you have to be in therapy for the rest of your life. No. Um, yeah. But it is that you find someone that fits. Mm-hmm. And then you actually do the shit they tell you to Try, You know, right. if it doesn't fit, then take it back or exchange it, just like you would a piece of clothing. Right, but, yeah. But you have to practice it. And I think that's um, something that's been a hard lesson for me in therapy is, like, I can't just go and share my woes. If they're yeah. going to then give me a solution based response, of like, okay, now let's try this. Yeah. I've got to actually try that or... Or I'm just paying to talk to somebody for an hour.
1: And that might be what you need, For yeah. some people need for a minute. But um, I think it's, you know, I have seen a lot of physical therapists and chiropractors over my lifetime, and I think it's similar to that where, like, you can't just go to your PT once a month and they're going to fix you. If you, in those 30 days since you've seen them last, have not done your exercises, you're not going to get better. Right. You know? and so. Similar with therapy where I, for the first part of seeing someone, it might be really helpful for them just to come talk to me and mm-hmm. be seen and felt like they are in a safe place to do that. Um, but then if they're asking, what are some like, really concrete ways I can make myself less anxious day to day? And I say, OK, well, here's some evidence-based like, exercises for you to do. Um, you just coming back every week and saying, oh, I didn't do those, I didn't do those are not going to help. Right. You have to do the thing. Um, and you know, over my lifetime, I've been in and out of therapy since I was a kid. Um, you know, and I, and I've needed kind of different kinds of therapists throughout my lifetime. And that's also okay too, to tell a therapist like, Hey, what we were doing together, like really helped to get me over this hurdle. And I think what I need now is something different. Like that's okay. We want you to move on and get what you need. Um, I think that, you know, the movies kind of portray that, like, therapy is still all of this, like, Freudian, like, just lay on a couch and talk. And, like, for seven years, you come do that every week. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that still might feel helpful. But I think most therapy now is is so much about, like, here are some tools. And I don't, you know, I tell my couples, I joke with them, but, like, I you're not supposed to invite me to your 50th anniversary party. <laughs> like, you I want to see you then. You yeah, know, like. <laughs> I'm supposed to give you tools so you can like take them and make them your own and like and and move on right right um and maybe you come back for like a tune-up every once in a while or to check in or you have another life event like haven't seen you for a year but we just had our second kid and like we need to like reorg around that but the idea is to give you tools to to help yourself and so um yeah yeah i mean
0: in in so many ways that is that is a practice of of i don't know if we want to call it yoga but it's a it's a space trying to find ourselves back in union with ourselves you know that something runs us off course which is life in general you know something runs us off course and then we have the choice do we deal with it or do we avoid it one of the clashes is avoiding the more we Mm -hmm. avoid it or or become so obsessed with it you know there's always the middle um but let's take avoiding as one of the clashes. We avoid it. Eventually, it's yeah. just gonna it's gonna drive right back into our path in a much bigger, more painful way. Yeah. We're constant, you know. So, yeah, it's it's another practice of bringing us back to union. And I think a big um, distinguishing factor we're trying to make this year is that it's not about like becoming something. It's a remembering of totally because what what you were before the trauma was a fuller expression of yourself and so you're not trying to recreate that or become something you're trying to remember and return
1: and that's my belief as a therapist is that that core is always there and it Mm -hmm. gets layered over by the things that happen to us how people treat us and that um you know we are our own inner teacher i as a therapist have i don't know you like you know people come in and this happens all the time where people come in and they they want an easy answer because they're in pain right because it hurts and it's hard to sit with that and they want to come in and say like OK, um, I'm struggling with gender identity, for example. Um, am I transgender? And they want me to have the answer. I don't know. You know, like you know. I'm meeting you for the first time today. You've been you for 30 years, right? right. And so my job is to give you tools to uncover that. Talk about you know, a different lens, for example, mm-hmm. with someone like, well, have you ever thought about it this way? Or what we in psychoeducation, right? People feel so badly for the behaviors they have. Those are learned, those have a reason, right? People don't just do destructive things to just self destruct, because why would right. you do that to yourself, right? There's a reason that we have those behaviors. And so my job then becomes like, well, let's investigate where those things come from and help you realize certain things that then might get you to what's my gender identity? I don't know, right? And so your therapist doesn't have all the answers. We have tools and we're kind of guiding and saying, what if we use this lens? What if we. Talk about your childhood. Okay. Oh, there's something there, right? What if we talk about, you know, your substance use, whatever, all the things that we know about and are expert in, we're not expert in you, we're expert in like, how do we get you back to you? Yes. Um, I don't know you at all, Yeah. but I know, but well, like she, I, she just pointed to me and I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little offended. You know me very well. Okay, okay. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know Shannon, so, but anybody else, she she know know you. it just shows up on my couch. I don't know you. Um, and but my job is like to get to know you and through that you know then like weeks later i know you better and i might say like you know what might actually work for you there's this theory that i learned in graduate school called whatever you know and and let's pull some of that in does that mm-hmm. speak to you ooh great it does that struck a nerve right um, I think it's the same thing with like certain yoga teachers. Like for whatever reason, when I showed up at practice, Indy, like your weird brand of yoga spoke mm-hmm. to me, <laughs> right? Um, She's saying butthole in yoga <laughs> she, class. She said it five times. That's weird. I like it. Um, you know, and what we know too from research is that like at least fifty percent of if therapy is going to work, is the It's called a therapeutic alliance. How well do you get on with your therapist? Mm-hmm. So if you don't trust them, or you feel like you just cannot relate to them at all. No matter how well trained that therapist is, it's not gonna work. Um, so similar to yoga, like if you're been in yoga class where you just don't get the person and you're just like,
0: oh, I don't
1: like this, right? And I've definitely been in those yoga classes and have those therapists, and there's nothing wrong with that teacher or therapist. They just don't they're not a fit for me for Mm -hmm. whatever reason. And it's the same thing with therapy. So making sure again, like if you're looking for a therapist that meet with a couple maybe. Like, do you want to sit with that person every week for 55 minutes and tell them, like, things you've maybe never told anybody else? That takes a special connection. Yeah. Um, and don't, don't feel badly for fighting for that connection because you deserve it. And it also, we know research-based, it's not going to work if you don't feel that connection. Yeah.
0: I mean, it is also parallel, like... The yoga practice is, you know, so much of just your practice, like you've got to do the work, but also you've got to find a style, a teacher mm-hmm. that resonates with you. A, totally. sp- a specialty, if you will. So yeah, there's so many, so many parallels. And I would say, you know, I think we're working through it as a country, but the stigma around mental health and yeah, getting help is really being talked about, and I think that's Incredible, and
1: um, especially millennials. I feel like millennials and like younger are really being called like be... the therapy generation. Or yeah, something. I I joke that you know if I have older clients. Um, so the thing with therapists is like if you see your therapist in public, what they're supposed to do is not acknowledge. Is it. not acknowledge you and yeah. like balls in your core. If you want to come up to me and be like, hey, I'll totally talk to you. Right. But otherwise, I'm gonna pretend like we don't know each other. Um, because if I come up to you and I'm like Shannon, and then someone's like, how do you know her? And then you have to be like, <laughs> oh, I'm in therapy. Um, but what's funny is my older clients typically will like just kind of like nod at me to acknowledge me or not acknowledge me at all in a public place, but my younger ones will be like, guys, this is my therapist," and like tell the whole bar right um, so you know it's really funny to see that that shift, and I love that. I love seeing people like not be ashamed of that and 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 talk about it and um and that like and just normalizing like you go to a, you go to a doctor, you go to a physical doctor, you know. You go to a dentist, whatever, like these things that we like every six months, I got my teeth cleaned. Like we are checking in with our teeth twice a year and people go their whole lifetimes without checking in with their mental, mm-hmm. emotional well Um, And that I think is shifting and changing. And I think people doing yoga are doing that on their mat all the time too. And hopefully, you know, we start to just widen that conversation about what it means to attend to. Yourself, like that core thing that we said doesn't change even when you're traumatized and, and, and all the things, like that core of us, we don't check in with very often. And I think, you know, if you're doing yoga and maybe any kind of physical practice, dance, whatever, like there's something that, about that that you are coming back to and it's activating and you are becoming more aware of it at least.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, this has been brilliant. Um, what I want to say is the hills are alive with the sound. So, uh, Mary Margaret um, <laughs> loves Julie Andrews. Is one of the ways that we bonded. Um, and I told her I would at least make a joke about it, and I didn't. So, here I am just inserting that. Do you have any, like, um, to, to close this out, do you have any, like, special facts about Julie Andrews or the sound of music that you would like to share?
1: Um, I have one that's going to blow your mind, and I oh now I'm realizing that I don't know if you know this about me, and I just I'm glad you're sitting. <laughs> I'm so, so uh, my mom was obsessed with the sound of music and Julie Andrews, which is like where this comes from. A lot of it's like nostalgia, childhood stuff um, that I that we just we just like loved her so much, and of course, how could you could I mean, you could she's, you're she's not love right. She's fabulous, right? So I grew up on the sound of music, and um, <laughs> so. My mom loved it. She went to Salzburg, Austria, where it, the movie is set, many times, and like did the bus tour and all the things. I have and, sang there. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, i like, yeah. I have, I have deep okay. things with Julie. Anyway, yeah. go on, go on, go on. I'm really impressed. Um, and uh, so I went there in 2016 and like did a bike tour, and it was whatever. Like I cried on the bike tour, and my partner was like, "Are you going to be okay?" Like, Ugh. and you were like, yeah, no." So and, like, and I'm fine. It's, it's the same time, it's a lot. Um, so there's that. But when I was a kid, so my parents lived in, I was born in New Jersey, um, and my parents were like reading the paper, uh, the New York times. And there was an article in the early eighties talking about how the trap family, the actual real, they're, they're real, they're real family. People, listeners don't know that it's not just a movie. Like they're an actual family. That's kind of a, whatever they're a real family. And they, at the end of the movie, when the family like flees, they eventually end up in the United States, um, the real family, and oh my they end up in Vermont because Vermont looks a lot like Austria, apparently, and I verified that now. Uh, so they settled in Vermont, um, and they started to build their home, and they ended up, they were, uh, they kept singing, and they traveled around and did like musical tours and stuff. They became kind of famous in the United States for that, and then the movie came out and all of that. They anyway be- ended up building a lodge in Vermont that people come to. That gets profiled in the New York Times. My mom, like, loses her mind. And it was like, <laughs> we have to go. We have to go. So they go. They drive from New Jersey to Vermont. They go. And then they were offering timeshares, which my mom stopped bought. Of oh, course. my God. Of course. Oh, oh. So I grew up every other summer going to Vermont to the Trap Family Lodge Stop. to timeshare. Yes. Just, just, are you ready? I'm
0: holding my from, face. No. <laughs>
1: um, when I was a baby... So I don't remember this, but stored in my body like we well, just yeah, talked should, about. Yeah, it's
0: positive trauma. So,
1: it real. Um, it's in there. Uh, when I was a baby, we went to, so my family, I grew up Catholic, and uh, the Von Traps are Catholic, nuns. You might remember from the mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to the little, there's a little church in the town where the, the lodge is. And so whenever we went to Vermont, we would go there on Sunday for mass. And we went, and the real Maria was there because that was their family parish. And she was there, and my mom, of course, like knew that this was the real person and was like, ah, like really like freaking out. And then Maria was walking up the aisle to go get communion, and apparently I like waved at her and she <gasps> <laughs> she held me. <gasps> oh my God! And now Maria von Trapp. Oh my God, do you have heard like hold me as a baby. DNA somewhere still floating yeah, on it's you. in there Because you so, haven't showered since then, right? That feels accurate. Okay. (laughs) anyone who was in yoga teacher training with me would probably sign off on that as being sure. yeah, so the real Maria Von Trapp, not Julie Andrews, but the real Maria Von Trapp held me when I was like what? A year and a half old or something. That's
0: where I mean, I mean, not all of it, but a lot of your magic comes from.
1: (laughs) That's yeah, right? Like I get it. Yeah. Yeah. God. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, like a former nun who fell in love with a captain. Uh, that you, that you know fought mag- against the Third Reich. Whatever that witchy magic is, is all up in here. That's so. some powerful shit right there. Yeah. Well,
0: if you're seeking a therapist who both does gender work and was touched by the original <laughs> Maria von Trapp, the one and only Mary Margaret Sweeney is your gal. um Thank you so much for sharing your yeah. talents, both here at practice and me, but also as a
1: therapist yeah. and in the world. And can I tell people how to find me? Because I feel like yes. that, that always frustrates me yes. when someone's like, "Look at this person," and then I don't know how. And then bye. Um, yeah. So I see. Um, I see clients out of um, a therapy practice called Soaring Heart Counseling. We are located in Broad Ripple neighborhood of Indianapolis. Um, we and in our whole practice there's two therapists plus an intern right now who see similar gender sexuality stuff. Um, I also see a lot of clients who maybe are trans, for example, or gay and have anxiety and all those things, but just want someone who understands their like queer culture and all of that. Um, so if you're looking for me, soaringheartcounseling.com. I believe there's an about page you can read about me, about me, and... Uh, I'll link and, it in the show notes. Yeah, so find me there. Cool. Thanks or for at noon on Wednesdays at Partisindy Teaching Yoga. Alignment flow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, Mary Margaret. Thanks, Bonnie. Yes.